This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharuddin and this is Gigi Wellpaid, BFM's video game show. We're continuing our monthly run-up with our partner, Kakucho Pore, for 2024 and that means Jonathan Leo, content director at the website, joins me for a summary of what has happened in January. Ideally, we don't want to start the year with bad news, but unfortunately, things are not looking great over at Microsoft and the company they acquired recently, Activision Blizzard. Take it away, John. Uh, Microsoft has laid off about 1,900 employees at Activision Blizzard and Xbox as of late. I believe it started, I think the announcement was, was made last week. While Microsoft is primarily laying off roles at Activision Blizzard, some Xbox and ZeniMax employees will be impacted by the cuts. So these cuts are basically 8% of the overall Microsoft gaming division, which is, I believe, around 22,000 employees in total. So according to a memo that's obtained by The Verge, Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer confirmed the layoffs earlier on, stating, quote-unquote, As part of this process, we have to make the painful decision to reduce the size of our gaming workforce by 1,900 roles out of the 22,000 people on our team. The gaming leadership team and I are committed to navigating this process as thoughtfully as possible. And in addition to that, the Blizzard president, Mike Ybarra, decided to leave the company, stating the following. As many of you know, Mike previously spent more than 20 years at Microsoft. Now that he has seen the acquisition through as Blizzard's president, he has decided to leave the company. And uh, yes, a new Blizzard president will be appointed most likely by the time this show goes live, at least during this week. And furthermore, Blizzard's previously announced survival game. Um, it doesn't have a title. They actually showed pictures and they announced it in the previous few BlizzCons. The game has been cancelled since the people cut are basically the major project runners of the title. Microsoft will shift some of the people in the team on that previous team on other newer Blizzard projects which are basically in incubation lah, at this point in time. So uh, anything you want to share, uh, Hanif, about this? Mm, no, I, I just think that, yeah, um, it's kind of interesting to see that I think after the takeover, this is one of the first few things that they decided to do, right? But which is per- perhaps, I guess, in line and I guess following the trend of a lot of other layoffs in other companies as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Corporate consolidation, it's what they have to do lah but it's still terrible considering that you are you make a really big successful acquisition and you cut out the people who would actually want to make this work somehow so it's crazy lah this, this actually happens I really have nothing much to say except this is pretty bad and I really hope people who got laid off stay strong and all that and um, yeah I don't know what good things can come out of this honestly because this could be You could say it's a bit of a morale downer in that sense. Yeah, what a way to start the year, right? And I think exactly, to, yes. to, to a certain extent, we also have to think about how, I guess, this is becoming a trend now with a lot of other developers, major developers, laying off a lot of their employees as well, right? I think we have to also bring up uh, Riot Games, who have recently mm. announced layoffs. They have uh, eliminated, eliminated roles for 530 people across the globe. Riot says is prioritizing the core live games it's making, like League of Legends, Valorant, Team Fight Tactics, and Wild Rift, as well as esports and events tied to those titles and upcoming projects like Project L, the 2D fighting game, and Arcane Season 2, the Netflix upcoming show. On the flip side, Riot Forge, the 
sister studio that actually helps create League of Legends uh, side stories and single-player games will be shutting down due to the whole layoffs thing. And um, the final title from Riot Forge will be Bandle Tale. So Riot Forge, for those who don't know, are the people, are the little subset group that created the single-player League of Legends games like Ruin King, Hexag Mayhem, Song of Nunu, Convergence, and Mage Seeker. All of them are very exceptional titles, which is unfortunately a bit sad considering that maybe they didn't do so well financially. Maybe that's why. But it really it's pretty terrible uh, in that sense. Mm, yeah. All right. Uh, I guess we can move on and talk about Ubisoft. Uh, Ubisoft recently came out with a statement that's pretty um, controversial. Yeah, maybe you can tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so Ubisoft head of subscriptions, Philip Tremblay, said in a GamesIndustry.biz interview where players mentioned in the interview that players are used to owning the games they play, but they have got, quote-unquote, comfortable not owning the music or music collection. His main point for the whole debacle is why shouldn't players get comfortable with not owning the product they pay for and instead accept the streaming model as a whole. So that's what he's basically just saying. He's saying that Ubisoft as a whole is telling gamers that they should get more comfortable not owning their games. And this is a bit weird of a, of a, a bit of a weird statement to say, considering that he's saying this while on the eve of a, of a big launch gaming launch, which is Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, which is coming out. Mm, yeah. But that's the thing. If we were to actually pay a bit of uh, closer attention to what he said, uh, I guess if you think about it, it's not really that controversial considering the kind of um, examples that he gave as well, right? But I think to a certain extent, obviously gamers will not be happy with it. But 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 at the same time, we can kind of see where he's coming from, right? To a certain extent. In a way, yes. But that's just something you don't say out loud, I guess. It's like, yeah. just because we know the inevitable is going to happen doesn't mean you want a big company to reaffirm that considering that the only reason companies like Ubisoft are making subscription models is because they want to actually have more people coming in, maximizing profit for the short term per se, because um, they want to rotate a library, having people pay for content forever because uh, some of us actually do want to own things in the future. Mm. So it will be nice to have that option. So to actually restrict that and to actually be brazen, to actually be out there saying these things, just means that you are basically on everyone's naughty list line in that sense. Yeah, talk about, I guess, bad PR, right? I suppose. Uh, especially, uh, more uh, like bad PR line in that sense. Uh, maybe don't say these things out loud. <laughs> um, I mean, yes, Xbox has a substantial subscription service, but what's going to happen to any brick and mortar game they make? I mean, they even, I mean, on the same month itself, they announced that their physical game creation division is actually getting axed as well, according as part of the layoffs that I mentioned earlier. Mm. So they obviously are going digital fully. So there you can see the game plan right there where people do want to actually own things in the end, but they're not... They Again, this, this is not a very, how do you say, a very economically sub sustaining business per se because at the end of the day, people do want to own things. Mm, yeah, true. Um, I mean, surely there must be a more diplomatic way of communicating that even if... Technically, the company is heading in that direction, right, I suppose? Maybe I just like options, that's all. I mean, yeah. a subscription service is fine, but at the end of the day, people like to, again, want to have one thing they want to set aside for themselves on a rainy day. So having one or the other, instead of, instead of like cutting off one service in favor of the other would actually help better. 
correct. Yeah, and sticking with Microsoft, um, they recently had their Xbox uh, Developers Direct, and they re- announced a few games. Yeah, let's talk about them. Quite a good number of them. So this company, Machine Games, the makers of the Wolfenstein reboot, will be creating a new Indiana Jones first-person action game called Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. The game was officially revealed during the event and features action, puzzle-solving, whipping, and archaeological expeditions, and also Nazi punching. The game will also break into third-person perspective for the rope and whip swimming, swinging segments. The game will be out in 2024. I do predict this game might be delayed, but who knows? I mean, it's going to come out for Xbox and PC. Next title will be Senua Saga Hellblade 2, which, was, which has been revealed quite a bit here and there, teased, and showed off some gameplay. But uh, during the presentation, they actually had the release date announced, which is on the 21st of May, 2024. The action game has a release date after for so long. It's a linear title, action, fighting, and all that, like a character action title, featuring a possibly mentally unstable female Viking warrior. Avowed is a new upcoming RPG from Obsidian Entertainment, the folks behind the best Fallout games and the Outer Worlds RPG series. Basically, is what happens when the Obsidian team are doing a possibly smaller-scale Skyrim-type experience with the first-person sword combat, classes system and progression, gameplay mechanics being thrown in, as well as choices that in dialogue and in story and narrative that actually impact the entire overarching story all the way to the end. Avowed will be out in fall 2024. And last but not least is a game called Ara History Untold. Ara History Untold is an upcoming strategy game from Oxide Games, which is a team that made up of ex-developers from Firaxis. One of the strategy game's highlights is the fact that you no longer have to wait for your opponents to take their turn to keep playing. This is via the simultaneous turn system, a pretty unique feature that the developers are making to make it work. The game will be out for PC in fall 2024. So, Hanif, which of these games are you excited for? I want to say Indiana Jones and the Great Circle, but I've had a look at the gameplay um, and I wasn't as convinced, I suppose. <laughs> but but I guess that's just me. Um, I mean, the thing is, uh, machine games have a great reputation when it comes to um, the Wolf- Wolfenstein reboot. Uh, it's just that this game, I don't know. I mean, making it first person looks a bit, yeah, iffy, I suppose. Um, but, but who knows? It might turn out great, right? Um, who knows, who knows. Um, I'm looking forward to Avowed because I have faith in Obsidian. They've done really great RPGs, mm. um, even though the games don't look so hard. I mean, let's look at Fallout New Vegas. It's not exactly the prettiest game even in 2010, but it's like like a five-star game for me. Lah. Five out of five game because of the story, narrative, combat, and the many choices <laughs> you can make that shape the plot and the ecosystem of the world you're in. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you can rely on Obsidian to deliver, right? Yeah, oh, yes, definitely. Mm. All right. Okay. So, so far, a great lineup there, you think? I think it's actually all right. I mean, I've seen a bit of the trailers, not so much the presentation, but so far, so good. It all looks promising. It's nice to know that Xbox has some games coming out exclusively for their platform or their line of brands and whatnot this particular year. Interesting to see what PlayStation has in store, but for now, Xbox seems to have some promising titles. Mm, all right, and um, let's move on to another news item that's pretty big that's making waves uh, at this very moment. Uh, Palworld, um, a game that was just recently released um, to a lot of like 
a lot of downloads, I suppose, but at the same time, also a lot of um, controversies here and there. Yeah, maybe you can tell us a bit more about this game. It is not a game we can't we cannot escape from. Um, mm-hmm. Pal World came out a couple of weeks ago. I believe it's on the 18th, right, or the 22nd, uh, 22nd of January ish mm-hmm. around that week. And people, for those who don't know, Pal World is a survival action title where it features creatures called pals who suspiciously look like Pokemon. So these characters, pals, they carry guns. And you have to hunt them down to keep them in your base so that it can help you build things in a survival kind of setting. And also, you know, survive basically in the map you're in. So the new survival game, it actually peaked up at 2.1 million online players on Steam 17 hours ago. And doesn't seem to be letting up any, anytime soon. And the game has sold over 8 million copies at this time of writing for both the Xbox and PC. And mind you, the game is still in early access. The only game that has topped this peak recently are Counter-Strike 2 and PUBG. And those games are heavy hitters, to say the least. Mm-hmm. So the internet is somehow accusing the game of being a Pokemon ripoff and for being totally built from AI-generated tech, i.e. an AI-generated game. La. These mm-hmm. are not true claims, given that A... Pokemon is a turn-based RPG, while Palwall is a survival action title with base-building mechanics. The game just happens to feature creatures who look legally distinct from Pokemon. And that's another topic we can go to another day. Uh, Arkane Leon game director, um, director of Deathloop, Dinga Bakaba, posted a lengthy X-thread about the game being well-designed and requiring a lot of research and hard work to get going, and is not relying on AI tech and generation to create which kind of dispels the whole myth that the game, that Powell is created by AI, which isn't true. La. However, on the flip side, Nintendo's Pokemon company is investigating the game Powell for a potential lawsuit. While they will not find actual grounds given parody laws, I mean, they can talk to Wit Alejkovic about that sort of thing, mm-hmm. uh, Nintendo has a lot of money and might find a way to prolong the case they can manufacture out of, you know, dirt or whatnot, right? Besides, I think um, Nintendo should actually worry about making a actually good Pokemon game that works at launch instead of worrying about some small, tiny game from a random Japanese company, right? Hmm. But it seems like they're a bit rattled by, 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 I guess, these claims, I suppose. Yeah, well, Nintendo has always been rattled by a lot of things like <laughs> emulation. Um, they've been rattled by the Smash Brothers community and how they handle the fighting game. Nintendo are dinosaurs, la, let's just say this. <laughs> um, so for them to be rattled that they didn't come out with the idea of Pokemon and guns first, it's it's uh, basically typical Nintendo. La. Um, mm. Whether something will actually happen, we don't know yet, but you got to remember, corporations have a lot of money and they if they can make, if, if there's something petty they can make mountains out of molehills off, they will do it. Just mm. for a quick buck. It's just how it is. It's just how they are. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk a bit more about the game later. Uh, but in terms of, I guess, the news surrounding the game, do you foresee, like, I guess, something concrete coming from Nintendo, at least, with regard to this whole copyright thing? Probably in February. Something's going to crop up in February, but not so soon. Lah. Maybe February, March. But at, at this point in time, people are still bickering about Pal World, whether it is a copycat game or whether it's an AI-generated game. No, not really. I mean, we can talk a little bit about the game later. Um, but generally, yeah, this is, you know what they say in show business, um, any PR is good PR, whether it's bad or good, PR is PR. It's Powell and Pocket Pair are getting a lot of attention from this, 
And that's something any self-sustaining game company would want for the game, whether it's good or bad, right? Mm, yeah, and speaking of the the game's potential, it's gonna be, I guess, improve moving forward, right? It's, considering that the game is still in early access. Yeah, it's very early access. Yes. Mm, all right. Um, do you have anything else for news? This um, month? Oh, maybe just a couple more. Hold on. Mm. Uh, Discord has laid off seventy percent of its staff. That amounts to one hundred and seventy people across various departments in the company. The move was done to sharpen the company's focus and improve the way. They work together to bring more agility to our organization. For those who don't know, Discord is actually the tool that a lot of gamers use to communicate when they play video games. It's very seamlessly integrated onto PlayStation and Xbox. Uh, back, back then, I'm not sure about now, but mm. nowadays people play PC games, they use Discord to communicate easily back and forth. Whether it's through fighting games or survival games like Power World, they don't rely on in-game chat. Discord is actually a lot more reliable. So, it's not to say that Discord isn't in, dyna- in financial straits. I mean, it hasn't had to become profitable and it's still trying to revive user growth after a surge during the pandemic. I think the cuts was done is because the company grew too quick and they don't know how to use all their employees efficiently. That was Jonathan Liu, KKP's content director, rounding up the biggest news in January. After the break, this month's releases and we have some big ones including Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth and Tekken 8. Stay tuned, you're listening to GG Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to GG Well Played. I'm Hanif Baharudin and joining me for our final episode of the month is Jonathan Leo, Content Director at Kakujopare.com. We've summarized the news from this month earlier and now we're going to talk about the games that were released starting with Namco's Tekken 8. Ah yes, Tekken 8, the 8th entry in the main Mothership 3D fighting game. Jin Kazama has lost his light and Kazuya Mishima's grows ever stronger. Tekken 8 is yeah, a 1v1 3D fighting game and it introduces a more aggressive playstyle gameplay mechanic called the Heat System where characters can activate Heat Mode go into an install kind of phase where they actually get buffs and mitigate your weaknesses. They can close the gap with heat dashes using the heat moves, use character-specific heat engages, and cash out that mode for big damage with heat smashes. The game now features a 32-character roster featuring old classic characters like Paul, Heihachi Mishima, uh, sorry, uh, Kazuya Mishima because Heihachi's dead, uh, Jin, and... uh, also brings in returning and new characters like Jun Kazama, who is long thought dead in the Tekken series, and new characters like Victor, Azusena, and Reina. All of them with new different additions to fighting styles and combat mechanics and whatnot. So for example, um, Reina, she fights like a Mishima, like Kazuya and Jin. So she has the wave dash and the electric wing, wind god fist kind of moves. So she, but then she has, she has easier inputs to do and has a few more additions like a stance changes here and there for different movesets. While Victor is more or less a counter hit kind of guy, so he's waiting for characters to attack him so he can actually punish them with his sword, EIO stance, and his uh, gun John Wick style kind of moves. Uh, The game also includes a special mode where you actually press L1 to actually activate a small little 
a mode that lets characters easily do easily do the combos and everything. But the thing is, you can actually switch in and out of it, or you can even disable it if you want. So it's actually perfect for new players who aren't used to the 300 move list that Tekken actually features for each of the characters. Um, the game also features a bunch of other modes that are really accommodating for new players, including an arcade quest mode, which is like a big tutorial, a story mode that actually ends the storyline of Tekken, in a way. Tekken Ball for people who just want to have fun and play a more spruce-up version of volleyball. And an online mode that's actually kind of decent to actually match people closer to skill levels and everything. And overall, it's a really good entry point for new players who actually want to get into Tekken 8. I mean, I've said this before for Tekken 7, especially if the game is cheaper right now, but Tekken 8 has more accommodating systems here and there to, as well as a fighting system that makes it more easier for players who are into the 2D gaming landscape to get into 3D fighting games. If I'm not mistaken, um, I saw that the training mode is also pretty robust, right? Oh, it's very robust. It actually tells you like all the hit detection and everything, uh, frame data, and shows you the moves and everything. So it's very, very robust, very, very in-depth, and helps you be a better player. So I would say for a game to start off the new year, a great fighting game, I guess Tekken 8 would be the one to go for. Mm. Especially since it's going to be very popular for years to come. Given Bandai Namco's support of Tekken 8, and the fact that people seem to like the characters, either the legacy characters like Nina and King and Yoshimitsu, or even the new characters like Azusena, who is a very breakdancey kind of coffee drinking character. Lah. I mean, if you I, see her character, you can see how wacky she gets. Like Eddie Gordo? Oh, uh, Eddie Gordo is actually coming out. Um, I think it's going to be like uh, out a few weeks after. Oh. Uh, I, think after I, I think probably February. He's actually one of the first wave of DLC characters coming out, along with a couple of others. And I think I hear a lot of news that people are clamoring for a Final Fantasy VII character to make an appearance. Uh, Tifa Lockhart to be in uh, Tekken 8. But Harada said, um, can't say anything yet. <laughs> because the game just came out, right? Alright, just now you said that story-wise, this is going to be the last quote-unquote Tekken story? Or it's going to end the story, I suppose? Is that, it's is gonna, that they're going to end the plotline involving Jin and Kazuya. The mm -hmm. trailers have basically advertised this heavily. Because in Tekken 7, I believe Kazuya threw a Heihachi off a cliff. So now it's going to be father and son fighting time again. Now with two big corporations represented by one and the other. Uh, I, I love how they are actually not scared of making fun of themselves in, term, in terms of this whole yeah, throwing characters off the cliff. <laughs> oh, into they do the, in the character yeah. stories. Uh, yeah. The game actually introduces character stories where you can play each of the characters play through arcade mode and then you got the funny endings basically oh, I see alright so, so yeah is this the best Tekken for now or like do you, do you feel like it, the uh, earlier releases will personally better? it feels like it actually I am enjoying this Tekken 8 so far because as a 2D fighting game player who does not really get into 3D fighting games this is very accommodating especially with the new characters who can and also the special mode where you can actually trigger the special commands back and forth whenever you feel like it. Mm. So it's very accommodating for people like me who are really... I'm more into the quarter circle kind of fighting and the 2D plane rather than the XYZ axis kind of fighting, which I'm still trying to get the hang of. 
But as far as uh, accommodating new players goes, Tekken 8 will be the game to get into. Especially with how flashy it is. Mm, okay, fantastic. Sounds sounds like a yeah a great pickup for fans of the franchise or even fans of fighting games who would like to try out something different, right? Yep, yep, that's correct. Mm, Alright, so okay, so from there we're going to move on to Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth. Kiryu Kazuma no Kuri. Yakuza ni totte. Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth is about... Yeah, it's still focusing on the new protagonist Ichiban Kasuga as he explores Hawaii with the other long-time protagonist of Like a Dragon, Kiryu Kazuma. So they partake in new minigames, uh, one of them involving uh, Uber delivery services, uh, fight new enemies, fight a lot more gangsters and do a lot more open world style events here and there. Can't really say much about the plot because it's spoiler territory, but the game leans very heavily on its story legacy, especially in Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is uh, Like a Dragon 7 or Yakuza 7. Yeah, so the game implements the whole uh, turn-based combat system, but it's way more improved, so it's easier to hit your targets and the commands are a bit more um, flashed out get more crazy attacks, team-up attacks and everything. And it's just a lot of hours. I think you can actually spend about 50 hours playing the game. I'm right now about like, what, 10, 15 hours at it right now. And so far, it's very in-depth and very detailed with a lot to do. I do feel that the game's weakest point is the over-reliance of a lot of the Yakuza's history, but that's kind of part and parcel of the game lah. And also, some of the story themes might be conflicting with one another, especially when you compare the main story's quest um, topics compared with the side quests, other topics here and there. But I think that's just something that you just nitpick, especially when you get to the end. But so far, on the overall aspect of gameplay, I think it comes out really top-notch. All right, so it's definitely something that um, a fan of the franchise should check out, right? Oh, fans, I think they probably bought it like by the time <laughs> this episode's already out. I mean... This is a crazy period of games where I think like not just this, but also other games like Tekken 8 and I think even if you want to count um, Persona 3 that's coming out next month, people are going to mm. be spending a lot of money on RPGs, you know, and action games. Yeah. But in the, in the sense, yeah, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth introduces really nice mechanics, really fun gameplay. And the cast of characters are very, very lovable, even though some requires a bit more back backstory knowledge than others, especially Kiryu Kazuma, as to why he's doing what he's doing in Hawaii. Mm. Overall, they're not missing a bit in terms of, I guess, um, their releases, right? I think this this is in line and still as great compared to the earlier releases, right? It's still just as good. I think a lot of people, I mean, personally, I think there's it can get a bit excessive, but sometimes maybe having too much Yakuza isn't quite a bad thing, especially if <laughs> It's just very as detailed, especially with the new map. I mean, we've been playing a lot of the old town, Sotenburi, um, the Yakuza's version of Tokyo, Yakuza's version of Okinawa, and all those old towns here and there, and Yokohama. So it's nice to actually see a brand new location that looks really packed with a lot of things to do. And seeing Sega's Yakuza's teams take on Hawaii, which is interesting to say the least. All right, let's talk about the, the next release. Uh, we spoke about Ubisoft uh, earlier in the show. Um, Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. This looks great and from what I've read, um, seems to be like a good release as well. 
Oh yes, this is actually one of my top picks of January. I mean, uh, as much as I like Tekken 8, I really fell in love with this Metroidvania. So Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown is a 2D platformer style, like a, it basically is a Metroidvania, a such action game where you are given a big map to explore, you unlock power-ups to unlock certain parts of the game called Time Powers, and you platform your way out of trouble, and you fight enemies in Devil May Cry style combat. So you control a character named Sargon who has rescued a prince from this palace lost in time and there's a lot to explore from ice places to like underground sand pits to ruins to mausoleums, creepy crypts and sacred libraries and astrolabes and crazy places here and there. So you'll find a lot of crazy monsters like manticores and uh, zombies, giant snakes and whatnot. Really cool stuff, and a lot of the combat and all the puzzle puzzles really involve you like um, using after images and uh, making things appear back and forth and uh, air dashing and not really rewind time, but more like uh, swinging around different platformings, a um, lot of like uh, flagpoles to flip around and avoiding spikes here and there. Uh, some puzzles can get tough, but that's what makes the game fun in the first place. Um, the game really makes you work for your platforming and exploring to the point where you get the double jump, which is a staple in every Metroidvania, very late in the game. So throughout, like, I, guess, I guess about 70% of the game, you have to really work with what you've got. You've got like your after-image powers where you get to summon the clone at one part of the screen and you can actually return to it anytime when you press the, another button to do it. Uh, what does you get? Uh, you've got like uh, Air Dash. Oh yeah, and then you got the Clairvoyance power that lets you make things appear in a different dimension here and there and also makes enemies appear makes invisible enemies reappear so you've got like different powers here and there help you out puzzles and you got epic boss fights I can't really say much about some of them because they're spoiler territory but you got the Manticore fight early on in the game you've got like a fight against a giant wolf with a forest demon and a lot of others crazy battles that require you to use Sargon's many um, Devil May Cry-like abilities like parrying, blocking, and uh, air combos and doing special sword blasts, shooting wave swords and everything. It's really cool stuff. I'm here to save a prince. Are you now? Remember, Sargon. You are a weapon raised to serve Persia. has been kidnapped. Take the lead, Sargon. You are to leave for Mount Karth at once. Bring him back. Bring back my son. Time no longer flows like mm. a river. Sounds like a good release. Um, especially considering that they finally, I guess, went back to, quote-unquote, the, the, the series' core roots, I suppose. Uh, yeah, in a way it did, because um, Prince of Persia was originally a 2D game. It's mm. just that now it's taking the Metroidvania route, which is a very popular... Um, template that a lot of game developers like to use, like having a big open world with a 2D platforming mechanics added on into it here and there. So it only makes sense for Prince of Persia to make this evolutionary leap. It's just that I didn't expect it to be this good, this really great. I mean, how do I put this? Um, that, that I think uh, Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, in, invented this mechanic, uh, this uh, nice little Metroidvania mechanic where you can actually get to take a picture of a place you're stuck at and put it on your map so you can actually take a look at it later whenever you got the power up to help you 
get through that location that you're stuck at. It's like a memory mapping thing, lah, basically. Mm. Like a post-it note, except it's done in pictures. Oh, sounds neat. Yeah, I'm surprised that no other game has done this yet. So I guess you could say Ubisoft's the ones who did this. Uh, and for those who don't know, um, Prince of Persia The Lost Crown was created by Ubisoft Montpellier. The team who actually made the Rayman Origins reboot titles. So the platforming in this game is sublime and very spot on. Like, there are just a lot of precision platforming you need to do to master to actually get through a lot of the many difficult challenges in this game. So yeah, the controls are great, they're sublime. The Prince, I mean, they fights really well. And yeah, the level design is very seamless, very well thought out. And the puzzles can get, like I said, challenging, but it just requires a bit of thought and some brain teasers and all that to make you figure out things here and there and what to do. It'll make you feel smarter after you solve them, let's just say that. So yeah, I say Prince of Persia Lost Crown is my recommendation for the month. Yeah, sounds fantastic. And it sounds like the it's a return for the franchise, I suppose, right? After being yeah, dormant for definitely. quite a bit. I really do hope that Ubisoft continues on with this trend because, uh, yeah, they could use a bit of cleaning up for the name. Lah. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, we promised to talk about this game earlier. Uh, let's talk about Pileworld. Uh, from the gameplay perspective, you know, what is it like as a game? And yeah, bear, bear in mind that this game is still quote-unquote in early access, right? So, like I said before, Palworld is an online survival game where you basically survive. You have to basically, you have guns to actually, uh, you still have a bow and arrow, of course, and you basically just walk around capturing, fighting off against pals who are actually attacking you. You can enslave these pals to actually help build up and uh, camp on your base to actually, you know, just keep it maintained and whatnot. In fact, you can even capture humans. But we'll talk about that. I mean, we don't need to talk about that. So you basically I even have pals in your army to help you explore the map and everything. So the game is an online survival kind of title where you partake and explore fields and just collect resources, craft wood, explore, find different pals to, you know, either help you maintain things here and there because certain parts of your shop, certain parts of your base require certain pals to run and everything like the fire type pal can run your smelter your uh, more diligent pals can help you with your sweatshop area and here and there so that's pretty much the gameplay loop of it lah. survive play capture pals you even use like a little ball to capture the pals and it blinks just like the pokemon ball so you can <laughs> see why nintendo can be a bit if you like all these things mm. so all in all even though it's an early access game and there's still a few bugs here and there. The game does actually work really well on the PC. Can't really say much about the Xbox version though because I haven't played that version yet. Mm. But so far, it's an interesting kind of title if you're into survival. So I guess the closest comparison would be like uh, Ark or um, something like Rust. Mm. But in a way, better, less nihilistic, more cutesy and parody-like, I guess, if that's even a word you can say. <laughs> I mean, for those who actually want to play a survival game where Pokemons carry guns and you get to capture them, this is your game, lah, basically. Yeah! Yeah. 
I mean, we can't help but compare it to Pokemon. But do you think that that's also part of the appeal of this this game compared to the other survival game that you mentioned just now? As an it example? is. In fact, all the trailers for this game leading up to the game's early access release has always been about selling the fact that it's a Pokemon parody, which just happens to be a survival game. I mean, um, Pocket Pair, the developers are pretty known for making a Breath of the Wild knockoff, a clone. So for them to make a kind of original, kind of survival game, which happens to have Pokemons inside, yeah, I think that's just what they're rolling for. And I believe they've tailored their marketing in a way that it makes them get picked up by the internet by making it memeable, making people actually get interested. Because at the end of the day, if I go on to go to someone and tell them, hey, uh, do you want to play a game where Pokemon carry guns? <laughs> people might be interested, right? Don't mm. you think that will make people a lot more curious, right? Yeah, and I think part, that's part of the, I guess, success of this game so far, right? The fact that I think it appeals to a certain quantum fantasy that people have with regard to Pokemon, right? If you think about it. Yeah, I may not be a fan of Pokemon and not a fan of survival games, but this seems to be a decent game so far for people to get into especially given the aesthetics and the hook of it where you get to capture these beasts to help you farm for resources and help out your base and everything it's just that um, yeah I guess you need that, that hook is what actually will grab people and sometimes that's all you need and let the gameplay run its course and so far based on what people have been saying and my own experience the gameplay seems to be solid so far it's um, a slightly better arc and a slightly better rust that isn't too janky I actually was expecting quite a bit of chank, but it seems alright so far. Mm. I mean, the thing about these types of games is that sometimes um, they're popular just for a short time and they probably uh, ran out of steam afterwards, right? Um, considering that this game is still in early access the, and with a lot of uh, promises um, made in terms of, I guess, improving the gameplay and whatnot, do you foresee this game to have a staying power, I suppose? It should have staying power as long as Pocket Pair are constantly updating the game. After all, it is an early access. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to guess it has like a 12-month lifespan before it becomes 1.0. I don't know any other game that actually becomes like a 1.0 within six months or so. But hey, the industry can be surprising, right? Hmm. That's all for Pal World, considering that it's still in early access. Uh, yep. Let's move on to the last game uh, for the month. Uh, technically, this game will be released um, in February, but um, I guess you already have access to it. Grand Blue Fantasy Reeling. Uh, yeah, so by the time this episode is already published, the game is available in early access form, where if you pay the digital deluxe price for the game, you get the game three days early. So yeah, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink is an action RPG that is player versus enemy focus, where you fight giant monsters and fantasy beasts with four other with four people. So think of it like Monster Hunter, but with actually better controls. So you play as any or one of the characters from Grand Blue Fantasy lore, like Grand, Jita, Catalina, and others. As it's quite a big roster, I think about twenty selectable characters. As you, as each of them have like different playstyles. One is a spellcaster, the other is long range attacks, the other is more focused on melee. One has different stances and parrying attacks here and there. So you get four of you team up, 
either with AI characters or with players online as you go through different dungeons and fight enemies here and there with big bosses with different phases and really escalating difficulty. And uh, you also have the story mode that actually gets you into through the ins and outs of the Grand Blue universe with a brand new story. And also a bunch of new bosses to actually get you through things here and there. But I do believe that this, the story mode is actually just a way to onboard people to get through the meat of the game, which is the post-game content, where you basically are at a pretty decent level, you team up with online players, take on different quests here and there, you defeat tougher versions of bosses you fought before, or brand new bosses exclusive for like post-game content, and you team up with other people to do so. And like I said before, it, the structure is similar to Monster Hunter, except for those who are very frustrated by Monster Hunter's way of the gear system and how it controls and how cumbersome it plays, Grand Blue Fantasy just fixes all those problems. So it feels very buttery smooth to play. I believe some people may not be into that, but I'm not those people. I actually do like Grand Blue Fantasy Reeling because of how easy the controls are. I do believe that some parts can be repetitive, especially in the story mode. But generally, the monster hunting thing is that if you take it in small doses, it's really fun to play with, especially with other people. Yeah, and the game looks unique as well in terms of its graphic. Um, so I think, yeah, do you foresee this game, I guess, becoming uh, big? Um, Becoming big? I'm not sure, but I know it's going to be big in Japan, given that Grand Blue Fantasy is a very big IP in Japan. Mm. Um, but in terms of, like, worldwide prowess, I believe time will tell, because the side games publishers and developers are thinking of keeping the game updated with new content coming in every single month. So they have a roadmap and the updates are free. Um, I believe they might... The I suspect in the future, maybe next year, the game might have paid DLC, but that's still far in the future. But for now, all the bosses you fight, all that, the future stuff, will be free DLC. Mm, Alright, fantastic. What can we look forward to next month, uh, John? Oh, that's actually quite a lot, come to think <laughs> of it. So, um, from top to bottom, okay, maybe not in different order. We've got yeah. Persona 3 Reload. We've got Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. Helldivers 2. Pacific Drive. Bandle Tale, A League of Legends Story. RZ, The Jewel of Faramore. Last Epoch. Uh, Sons of the Forest, getting out of early access, end of February. And two of the most anticipated live services games. Suicide Squad, Kills the Justice League. And Skull and Bones. <laughs> Finally coming out. For real this time, right? Yes, for real, for real. <laughs> All right, okay. It's going to be another busy month and yes. we just started the year, but it sounds like you're going to be busy. Uh, so thank you so much, John. Thank you so much. You're tuning into GG Well Played and that was Jonathan Leo, Content Director at Kakuchopore.com wrapping up the biggest news and releases in January. For more gaming news and reviews, head over to their website Kakuchopure.com. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on bfm.my. Our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also find our podcast on Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on X at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please 
please take care. This has been GG Well Played. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.